Hey, Dale. Got a new assignment for you. Vacation. Uh, thanks, boss. Y you mean it? You betcha. Self-care is good for business. Sometimes things just get better. Like AT&T. We've invested more than $150 million to grow our wireless network coverage to over 99% of Nebraska. Visit att.com slash Nebraska and learn how to get a free smartphone when you switch to AT&T. Coverage not available everywhere. Over 99% coverage based on third-party data. Network investments based on 2018 through 2020 expenditure. Fans and welcome to another episode of Bulls HQ, a Chicago Bulls podcast on the Blue Wire Sports Podcasting Network. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the show, one that is brought to you by Bet Online. Thank you to them for sponsoring this episode of the show. And folks, let me tell you, it is going to be a historic one. I say that because for the first 111 episodes of Bulls HQ, the premise of the show was basically me sitting here spouting my own opinions to an array of guests who would be kind enough to humor me by listening to it all. That was then though, and I thoroughly enjoyed building a show with that type of format, but sometimes you need to mix things up, and after a long, hard season, which has made covering the Bulls especially difficult, now seemed like the right time to change things up, so that's basically what I've done. So instead of Bulls HQ just being me and a rotating list of guests, I'm happy to announce that there will be a co-pilot to this show moving forward, and given this man has had the most appearances on the show from any guest over all these years, who better to join me on a full-time basis than the one, the only, C. Red Fred, a.k.a. Fred Pfeiffer. Fred, welcome to the show, brother. I'm so happy we're doing this on the regular now, rather than every other month like we were doing previously. How are you, mate? Brother, I'm, I'm feeling great. I'm, I'm really excited about our inaugural voyage. Um, I mean, <laughs> there's been some great partnerships in the past, Donnie and Marie, Captain and Tennille, Bert and Ernie. Let's hope this partnership moves in the same same direction. I am under the weather, though. I'm playing hurt, uh, like uh, like Laurie did for the first three months. So let's hope uh, the results of uh, my performance uh, outweigh his. Well, let's hope so. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of you for pushing through, and you're a trooper for doing so. But I am generally excited that we are doing this on the regular going forward each week now. It, I mean, like I said, we've you, we've done this this podcast a number of times you've been a guest on Bulls HQ more than anyone else so but to think that we're doing this now every other week I, I needed this boost personally because uh talking Bulls has been tough so getting you on here getting us talking Bulls and just just being basically silly about the whole thing I think that's what I needed more than anything so I'm glad you're aboard and you'll give this podcast a different uh, a different angle and a different perspective which I, I'm pleased about too yeah this has been uh just to me, the most disastrous year of Bulls talk I've had, probably yeah. since uh, I mean since the Kraus years. It's, it's the the biggest disappointment since oh seven oh eight. I think it far out far out um, exceeds that disappointment, just because I expected the team to be so much better. When you have that com combined with the fact the All Star game was in Chicago, I mean this is a catastrophe of epic proportions. So uh, the least we can do is get together and try to make uh, bring some mirth to the city. You know who Donnie and Marie are, right? Donnie and Marie. Uh, the Osmonds. I mean, it's before my time. I know the I know the reference, but I have no idea what the hell they did or who they were or anything like <laughs> they're, that. But they're um, very entertaining. And Marie, back in her day, was quite a sight to behold. So I encourage you all to go on YouTube and watch uh, some of her, her great great moments. 
But fair we'll, enough. We'll talk I might about do that after. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean, it's it's fair that you point all that out because this was meant to be a season of expectations and. At this point of the season, we were hoping that the Bulls would be playoff bound or at least looking like a, a you know, an up and coming team. They had, we obviously having the All Star game or the All Star weekend in Chicago this weekend. That was meant to be almost typified this season or be the the peak of this season to a degree up until this point, where we could be celebrating all things Bulls with the team coming together and on the rise. But like you sort of mentioned, it's been the exact opposite to the point now where All Star weekend is in Chicago and the Bulls. Garth Hacks, ownership, even some players, they're being mocked on a national media stage, which is not ideal at all. But I don't know, what have you made about the general reception or the perception of the franchise over the last couple of days, given that the national media has sort of descended on Chicago and is actually paying attention to the Bulls now when, you know, in the previous couple of months, who was even bothering talking about the Bulls? Not many people, and to be honest with you, why would they? But what have you made about... Uh, how the Bulls as a as a franchise have been discussed over the last couple of days? Well, I mean, I think it's been ridiculous for the most part. I mean, a lot of anger and sound and fury signifying nothing in general. Like, I, 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 don't, I, I don't understand it. I understand the frustration. I don't understand the absolute anger and hatred. Like, I think the hatred for Garpax, to me, seems far greater than, um, you know, a general love for the Bulls. And I've never understood it. I don't think it's commensurate with the job they've di- they've done. I'm in agreement that change is needed. I think their biggest sin by far was handing over the development of the core four to this you know buffoon, uh, and that is absolutely a fireable offense. I don't concur with the general you know disrespect for who uh, John Paxson, who I consider a Bulls legend. A guy who I think is a top-notch guy, and not only that, I think he's done very well in drafting and in drafting talent. Um, so I don't agree with the general hatred for you know for him. And in big picture, I can count on one hand the number of people who are hate Garpax that I really respect, and I've you know I can have a, a, a coherent conversation with. It's like you, Ricky O'Donnell, you know, a few other people, you know, that really hate the guy. Um, the vast majority of them, and I, I've had many, many conversations with the Garpacks, burn it down, uh, crowd, you know, just, I think a lot of them are kind of moronic. Uh, <laughs> let, let, let's, let, let's, let's, when I ask, outline your issues with the team, it always starts usually with, you know, he fired tabs and, you know, that kind of nonsense, you know, <laughs> so we go down that road. Um, to me, the, the reason they should be let go is because I hired Jim Boylan as head coach and turned over the, the, the development. That's number 1A, 1B, 1C. Um, as far as the draft picks, all these players we've loved, they're responsible for acquiring. Uh, Derek Rose, Jakeem Noah, Jimmy Butler. And I agreed with a lot of draft picks in the last few years, but uh, it is time to move on. But the, the hatred, I don't think, speaks well for the city, doesn't speak well for the fan base. I think it hurts rather than helps. Yeah, I, I, I disagree. I mean, I, I love the attention <laughs> that, that the fans, particularly when, when Zach was on first take the other day and when they when they burst out in the fire guard packs chant, I thought that was beautiful. That, that That's exactly what I wanted to see because we need that sort of humiliation of guard and packs to drive some sort of change. Because otherwise, if that doesn't occur, then the Ryan's also just happy to let the status quo go as they've been doing for the last 17 years. And whilst I certainly agree there was a period of, of time where Paxson in particular did a good job. That that that's long in the past now. I think over the last couple of years, 
it, it hasn't gone obviously to plan culminating in what we've sort of seen over the last you know six months let's call it it hasn't been what we expected this season so I'm loving the way the Bulls are on on the blast uh, over this all-star period or over over the weekend here this is exactly the music to my ears Fred. so <laughs> I'm loving this no, I, I I know you're saying this, you know, part of you're 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 the leader of uh of the uh, dog bull nation. I understand this is part of your, you know, your mantra or your your uh charter that you signed. <laughs> <laughs> but deep down, you know this is true. Uh, I like to point to a player, Paul Gasol. Let's go back to 2015, who by any uh any standard was a fantastic player and citizen for the Chicago Bulls in the community. He made two All Star teams. He was second All NBA in his first year. Took less money to come here. And in 2016, when he announced that he was moving on, thanks Chicago, did a really class act on Twitter, the responses by the quote-unquote Bulls fans uh, were so vile, so vindictive, so pathetic, it made me nauseous. And a lot of this same crowd that just is angry, um, you know, for whatever reason, with their lives and and just want to, you know, this this pathetic, self-indulgent, lot can pound sand uh there's there's a way you can criticize the team and we just talked about it with felicio i agree with you we all agree felicio sucks he's not good he's still a fine human being yeah of course i mean well it's it comes right from that vein mark you know it's true that same vein let me take some let me take some valuable resources that could be you know used for good and put up a billboard Come on. But Come this on. is this isn't personal, Fred. It's not personal. And those people that it made it personal. personal about Powell back in twenty fifteen or whatever it was, the same that are doing about it Felicio or whoever else, whoever makes anything personal. They're is an the idiot. same one ch- 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 no, they're not the, the same head ones because I'm those people as well. And I'm not making it personal. <laughs> I'm making it purely and simply on people's <laughs> ability and what they're doing from a front office perspective, from a coaching perspective, from a playing perspective, whatever it is. <clears throat> if you suck at that, then you deserve people know about that. <laughs> hey. That's where it ends. Anyone that goes crosses the line and starts, you know, making things personal, whatever it is, yes, those people are idiots and they don't deserve any time of day, but. Yeah. There's a lot of them. There's a lot of There's them, a lot sure, of them. but they're just idiots I, I'll seed. I, I'll seed. I, I wish we all took your example of yelling gar packs, fire gar packs with a smile, but most of it is done by people who just look like they you know, bit the head off of bat, they got blood <laughs> pouring down their mouths, and they're screaming fire gar packs. Well, they're big they're Aussie Oswald fans Far too well. angry. I mean, look, <laughs> fire gar packs. Just say the words for it. Fire gar packs. It's not, it's not personal. It's purely purely and simply based on their performance in the job. That's all it is. It's got nothing to do with them as people. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. Because you know what? I was on with Waddle and Sylvie the other day. And I had to listen to some mouth breather right before I came on talk about how pathetic they've been at drafting. And and it's it's not a true statement. It's not a factual statement. Over the course of their their career, of Paxson's tenure, the Bulls have drafted very well for their position. Would you concur with that? That hasn't been the problem with with, with the Chicago Bulls. Yes or no? I think for the most Say part. It. Say it. For the most part. For the <laughs> most part, they go. have done well. But from 2012 to 2016, it hasn't been good. It sort of picked um, up the last couple no, of years. No, no, no. But in that from period 2016? Yeah. Wait, 2015? Well, of course you're not going to agree about 2016 because 2016 was Denzel. So, of course, you're not going to agree about that. But. <laughs> Wait. Let's go back to 2015 when they were up 2-1 on the Cavs in the second round. <laughs> well, that, not, and then that, that, Gasol got hurt. 
that that was a good team. I liked it. It was won a good fifty team. games. It was a good team. Thank, so thankfully, Tim Boyle was like that was a bad period. <laughs> oh yeah, here you go. yeah. Here we go. Well, let's come back let's to modern road. day Bulls. Though. Let's come back to the modern day <laughs> right. Bulls. Let's bring this back to the All Star Game. The fact that we as Bulls fans have the have the All Star Game in Chicago, but we don't really have our players in or representing the Bulls here at all. I mean, Zach Levine performed in the three point shootout tonight. We're recording this after All Star Saturday because really we don't have to wait until the Sunday game because again, there's no Bulls in that game. So Levine was really the only only representative. Uh, for the Bulls throughout this whole weekend. He did pretty damn well in the three-point contest. Obviously, didn't win it, came fourth, had a nice 23 points. But beyond that, uh, uh, should we, as a as a franchise or, or, or fans of a franchise, should we be embarrassed that we're into the, the third year of the rebuild and we don't have any players at all beyond Levine sort of representing the team, whether it's in the Rising Stars game, whether it's the dunk contest. Or we had Levine in the three-point shootout. Obviously, we have no one in the main game, but how... That message it sends is that is that a fair representative statement about where the Chicago Bulls rebuild is at in your eyes? No, <laughs> um, I think Zach Levine should have been an All Star. I think he's clearly one of the best fifteen players in the East. But the All Star is um, only twelve and- players. <laughs> well, <all right. laughs> okay, there's injuries. <laughs> uh, he's one of the best twelve players. Uh, I do. I just feel he's an all star. I think, and I think we're in a better spot than most of the other teams that are rebuilding. I think we're in a better spot than the Cavs, than the Knicks, than the Hornets, all the other teams that are below us. I think we're in a better spot than. Um, and I think that you know, I think a lot of what ails the Chicago Bulls can be fixed very quickly. It could be fixed with a move to hire a legitimate coach who would have us on the path of the playoffs, and Zach Levine would have made the All-Star team. Um, I do kind of feel like, you know, Zach's – Zach, I wasn't devastated he didn't make the All-Star team because he did have a lot of games where I felt like the Bulls down the stretch, he was playing a little bit too much hero ball. Um, you think of the opener against Charlotte, against Indiana. Uh, you know, when we were up seven, he was over five down the stretch. I think – that's been – I wish he would facilitate a little bit more and a little bit less, you know, hero ball in some of these games. But overall, to me, he's an all-star. So, you know, I know we want to portray it as in year three, this is a huge, you know, huge uh, – it's horrific that the Bulls had nobody representing the Bulls in the all-star game. Zach Levine's very close to an all-star, and I think with a couple quick changes next year, he will make the team. What say you? Oh, look, I – he, had he made the All-Star game, I would have felt like he deserved it. Obviously, he missed it, uh, and the players that got in above him, I don't think was, you know, it wasn't unfair to me, at least. So, uh, I'm, I'm not too concerned the fact that he missed out. I don't think he was snubbed. I know there's some fans even thinking Kobe White was snubbed from the Rising Star game, which he absolutely was oh, not. I'm not I'm not blind to that fact. So, I'm not too disappointed that, that Zach missed out, but I'm probably... Yeah, I mean, it, it it doesn't bother me too much, but I, I'm probably just more concerned with the fact that this team is now 17 games under 500. This was meant to be a better year than what it was. It's starting to turn into a narrative where injuries are to blame for this season, which is absolutely not true at all. The team was was uh you know very much underperforming before Wendell Carter went out. I can't remember the exact record, but after 37 oh, games, true. they they were doing they were way below 500 at that point. So. I think the injury excuse is ridiculous at this point. I understand there's been more injuries since Wendell Carter went hurt, got hurt, but still, I'm just disappointed that that this is this is how the Bulls are being represented on a national stage. We're at the point here where this is where we should have been celebrating the build of the Bulls, but instead we've got Jimmy Butler coming back tomorrow in the All Star game. 
32 years it's been since Chicago last, last held a all-star game and the guy that we traded, traded away, the guy we gave up is the lone representative from a bull standpoint representing the team to a degree, I guess, but obviously doing so for the Miami Heat. So that's just a bit of... It, it just hurts. Well, it you, hurts. you think Minnesota are talking about that? You think the fans in Philly are talking about that? Let me. First of all, I got it. I'm really getting tired of this. There's a general narrative kind of countering. Well, it wasn't because of injuries. It's it's kind of because of injuries. It's not. It's, it's oh come on. Let, let's take a step back to the beginning of the season. The Bulls open up against the Charlotte Hornets. They lost that game. Pathetic loss. They should have absolutely won that game. Second game of the season, they beat Memphis in Memphis, a very good team. A nice win in retrospect. They lose at home to the Toronto Raptors. Then they lose, blow an 18-point, not a bad loss to Toronto, obviously a good team. They blow an 18-point lead against the Knicks. They blow a 10-point lead against the Cavs. Two losses back-to-back. Up to this point, Otto Porter Jr. played horrific. He had a terrible start to the season. But from the Detroit Pistons game, which was the next game with a win, to the Los Angeles Lakers game, you're shooting 50-plus from the field, 57% from three. So I know we kind of want to rewrite history and act like the, Lake, the Lakers game, we were up you know, 19 against one of the best teams in the league at home that we, again, blew another, another big lead. He was 4-7 from three at 18 points in 27 minutes. Otto Porter Jr., without a doubt, was a key to this team becoming what we all thought it would be, a playoff team, and he went out. That's bad, no doubt about it, and he's been out ever since. But his backup was also out. So it's it's not just that I, I agree. Like, the Bulls should have played better after losing Otto. I'm not debating that. They could have played better, but their buffoon of a coach decided to go with a three-guard lineup featuring his son instead of going to an absolutely viable alternative in Denzel Valentine. That was the problem. That was the nexus of the issues with this team. The team was very competitive um, with some horrific losses they should not have lost to start the season. But things were looking better. We were up big on the Lakers until the idiot didn't take a timeout. I mean, just to say it, it has nothing to do with injuries, it's not accurate, Mark. You know that. I'm, not, the team I'm not saying it has nothing to do we with injuries, down. but the fact that it's being, you know, that being the primary cause for as to why this season is gone the way it is, why the Bulls are 17 games under 500, I think that is a joke. I mean, it's a combination of things, and I don't want to blame it all on injuries. I don't want to blame it all, all on Jim Boylan, because I think that is starting to happen as well. The fact that everyone's blaming everything on Jim Boylan, I'm more than happy to label some blame on Jim Boylan. I mean, this has traditionally not been a pro-Jim Boylan podcast, but at the same time, I mean, Lowry Markman was complete garbage for the first couple months of this season, and he needs to own that, as do a couple other players who didn't start well this season. So, I don't know. When, when, when something like this goes off the rails to the degree that it has, 17 games after, under 500 up until this point, it, it's a combination of, of, of errors. Absolutely. And to, to, to lump it on just boiling or to lump it on just the players or management or whoever you want to take aim at i think it's wrong it's completely everyone's fault at this point maybe everyone but zach levine but uh fair it's, enough. it's just been a complete enough, mess Mark. and that's that's the disappointing thing given that we're at all-star game now we're meant to be celebrating the chicago bulls franchise but instead we're uh we're focusing on fire gar packs fire gar packs chance that are hitting the waves and like i said that that that's music to my ears because that's what i want to hear that's what i want that's the change i want to see at this point <laughs> But it's, it's sad that this is the reality. It still is. I want I want to get you on the record though for telling me right now. What do you feel if in an alternative universe I bought the team and I hired Eric Spolstra or Rick Carlisle to coach the Bulls? How many more wins do the Bulls have at this point? Well, what they're like seventeen games under five hundred. They're probably 
seven or eight seven games under wins. 500 at that point. So I don't know. Is Boylan worth seven, eight losses, something like that? I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but I still think the Bulls are below 500 teams. Of course that's the answer. They're not. They're under 500, yes, but they're right right in line with what I predicted as a seventh seed and everything would have been uh, according to normal. So I can't read incompetence. Like, I'm a, I have the gift of prophecy. I cannot tell when fools divert what I see. And a fool has div- diverted my, my uh, prophetic sight. And we all know it's but Did true. you see Scott Brooks' <laughs> comments about the bottom of the Eastern Conference the other day in terms of the playoffs? I did not. Please share with me what he well, said. Well, the Wizards have now leaped the Bulls, and the Wizards are the ninth in, in the Eastern Conference, if I'm not mistaken. They've, they've, they've reached the 20-win mark at this point, and theoretically, they're chasing the 8th and 7th seed, just as the Bulls are, even though they are now in front of the Bulls. And he was asked about the, the whole, you know, is there any value to making the playoffs? Do you really care about it? And I can't remember his, his exact quote. I don't have it right in front of me, but he was basically alluding to the fact that, you know, it's not necessarily a big deal. It's not a huge achievement if you do make the playoffs as an eighth seed, despite having a huge record under 500. It would be tokenistic to really be celebrating it at this point. So, yeah, maybe the Bulls would be, I don't know, 10 games under 500, let's say, or even nine games under 500 with a better, more competent coach. Maybe there would be maybe a one or two games out of that eighth place. But does it really change anything, Fred? I mean, who cares? Absolutely, you still get, it does. You would still get absolutely destroyed by the Bucks in April. Like, who cares? It, no, it does, it does matter when your core four are all 24 and under. I've said this before. Hey, I'm old enough to remember, Mark, 2016, when a Bucks lineup with Giannis and uh, Chris Middleton won 33 games. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is brilliant analysis you don't usually get on Bulls HQ to counter right, points. Right. And then I also remember 2012 when Curry and Clay Thompson won 23 games. Young players need to experience the humidity of playoffs. They need right. to see it. They need to see it. And I think I, I feel horrible for Zach Levine. He hasn't experienced it once. And I think getting a taste, even if it's an ass kicking against the Milwaukee Bucks, will be beneficial for the future of of Zach Levine, Laurie Markin, and uh, Wendell Carter Jr. and Kobe White. Do you think? Do you think Giannis and Steph Curry became the players they were because of their ass kickings they received in the playoffs before Absolutely. they were ready to go, or do you think it's because they had once in a lifetime type players, unlike many of these players on the Bulls roster currently? Do you think that might Mark, be the biggest difference, Fred? Do you really believe that if I if I pulled Giannis right here into my office right now and sat him down and I asked him, Giannis? When you were 20 and you lost, you got your ass kicked by the Bulls in six games. When you were <laughs> threw a cheap shot on Mike Dunleavy, you knocked him into the second row. When you were embarrassed, when you uh, with a fourth leading scorer on the Milwaukee Bucks, did you find that experience valuable? Do you think he's going to say no? Of course, he's going to say yes. Every every NBA player I've ever asked this question to has said yes. Now, in fairness, I've only asked like three guys, but <laughs> <laughs> but but the three I asked all agreed. Playoffs are different. <laughs> Playoffs are different. It's been a major impetus or uh, it's a major factor in them wanting to get better and they realize they have a long way to go. Like, I think it definitely, I'm not saying he wouldn't achieve the greatness he has today if he didn't experience the ass kicking he did at the hands of the Bulls in 2015, but I think it, it definitely helped to spur it along. Well, Why do you, you disagree go. with this theory? You, uh, you don't look- believe in me. No, look, if you have the ability to pull Giannis into your office, I'm disappointed that you haven't invited him onto the podcast. So that, that's probably the main thing I <laughs> took out about right to be honest here. with you. Exactly. <laughs> he's 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 drove out to the right Exactly. He <laughs> drove out to say hi. 
No, I mean, I take your point. I take your point. But, you know, I still need some time to digest that all. So let's just take a quick break. Tell the listeners about this week's sponsor whilst I absorb your full comments about that whole thing. We're now going to take a quick break to tell you about our sponsor, Bet Online. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all things sports. March Madness, the Masters, and Major League Opening Day are right around the corner. Bet Online has you covered for all your latest news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. The best part? When you sign up, you receive a 50% welcome bonus. The Wilder Fury rematch goes down this Saturday night, and we can't think of a better way to wager on the fight than doing it with actual free money. Head over to betonline.ag and use our promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. We signed up, it's super easy, and if you're already into betting, it's a fantastic way to support this podcast. Again, that's promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word when you sign up at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Ah, oh, back to the podcast now. And Fred, I look, I, I've taken some time to think about it. I still definitely do not agree with you. But I mean, we'll move on past that point. I mean, Giannis, Steph Curry, maybe they're a little bit different to Zach Levine and Larry Mark. And who, who's to say that? Who's to say? Who am I to say? But anyways, let's, let's keep p- plugging forward. I want to keep talking about the front office because over the last week or so, maybe a little bit longer, there has been some noise about potential changes coming. I mean, Casey Johnson has has suggested in some of his his some of his reporting that Paxson will still be around, he'll still be in charge, but there'll be a new GM coming in place. Garth Foreman will be going more into a scouting role. Then Mike McGraw of the uh, the Daily Herald came out and said that Paxson will actually be moving into an advisory role, maybe something similar to what like what Doug Collins is in at the moment. Then they would need a new head of basketball ops. They'd obviously new need a new GM with uh, with Garth Foreman going too as well. So he's he even pushed it further than what KC Johnson said. Then David Kaplan as well. He's been saying similar things to the point where he's been saying massive changes are coming. Doesn't know exactly what they are just yet, but those changes are coming. Obviously, Joe Cowley's always writing about uh, Gar Foreman and sending his hit pieces out on Gar Foreman's, but there hasn't necessarily been too much written about Jim Poyland. But I guess the point is, depending on the report, depending on the messenger, the message varies quite a bit, but... I guess the theme is there's going to be some changes, but I I remain skeptical given that the Reinsdorf have basically made no change for how many damn years now. So what are we to what are we to believe of, of, of this, if anything? Do you think there's gonna be any changes? Do you think the Reinsdorf are going to be pushing towards a change given that's something they haven't done for years? Oh, absolutely. I think there are gonna be changes. I I I I don't I can't believe if the Bulls do not make the playoffs, there will absolutely be changes. And I think what you outlined and what other reporters have outlined is exactly what I've heard. And I think something would happen to that effect. And and I, I don't think people should have a problem with that. Like, why does John Paxson have to be fired? Um, if, if he's in an advisory role, he's not making a final decision, who cares? You bring somebody else in to make the final decision. Well, well, let me ask you this: If 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 what Casey is saying is more more correct than what Michael McGraw is saying, as an example, where Paxson is still in charge and that new GM would be reporting into Paxson, and Paxson would ultimately have that final say, do you think that changes anything at all? Yes, it does, because somebody else would basically set the direction of the team. I, I don't have a problem with John Paxson making decisions, there. but he's the Especially one making decisions around, right now. I, I I understand that. I understand that his decision to hire the head coach is the fireable offense, number one. And the other reason 
it's time. He's been here forever. I think Casey Johnson on the last his appearance on the Bullseye brought that up with me, and I agree with him. It's been like almost 20 years, and he's done a lot of great things for for the city and the organization. And I, I've loved a lot of the teams he's put together, but it's time for a different direction. If Paxson has the final say, that is problematic. I don't believe that's what's going to happen. He'll have an advisory role. He might even have a vice president of, let's say, a basketball operations. But as long as that GM is the one who's making the final decision on who to draft, making the final decision on uh, the salary cap, and who to sign, who cares? Who cares? Doesn't matter. As long as it's somebody else with a different division. My bigger problem is, is that I think there's far too many of the Garpax crowd that just feel like, Fire guard practice crowd that, oh, it's automatically going to be better. It's just going to be better immediately just by firing those two. And my counter to that is I, I don't, I'm not so certain about that. I, I, don't th- I think it's pretty difficult to draft uh, talent as well as they have. Uh, it's not that difficult to sign guys uh, as well as they have. I mean, they've had Paul Gasol and Thad Young and you know Dwayne Wade, regardless of what you think about him. That's probably the highlights of the last five years. My question is, though, and my point is, I think the, these underlying issues are still going to persist after they're gone. Like, I think Paul Gasol is the best you can expect, a Kemba Walker type, a 10-20 to 20 guy. But the elite of the elite aren't going to come to Chicago. They're just not. I don't think – unless there's uh, some t- circumstance, uh, you know, that I, I, I don't foresee. And I'm talking about these players when they get to their – what I call the true unrestricted uh, phase of their contract. So it's after their first max contract. You know, like uh, Towns really didn't have a choice. He had to sign his first max contract with Minnesota. It's just too fiscally – it would be fiscally foolish for him not to. But when you get to that 27, 28, 29 where you sign that second max, that's where I think the Bulls are just going to be in a position uh, where – you know, other teams are going to have an advantage. Look at the Lakers. What did the Lakers do to deserve to get LeBron James? They were arguably the most incompetent franchise in the league. Even in LeBron's first year, they were. Um, you know, and to me, it's like laughable that they ended up signing LeBron James because they didn't really do anything to deserve it. I thought the Bulls had far better decisions for the most part during those years than the Lakers did. But he went to L.A. Why is that, Mark? Why do you think that is? Well, I think we all know why that reason is, but I mean that doesn't the Lakers being able to pull themselves out of it uh, out of that just because they have the uh, everything that they have off the court that maybe would would allow them to go to get someone like LeBron James. I mean that that's obviously favorable to them, but at the same time they missed out on a lot of free agents over the years too. So LeBron did what he had to do from an off the court perspective, and that's obviously uh, resulted in positive things for the Lakers on the court, but. The Lakers getting able to or being able to do that doesn't necessarily justify or allow us as fans of a big market team to be okay with this Bulls team being run like a small market team, which is certainly something that that that, that has definitely been the case over the last number of years under the Reinsdorf. So, uh, you know, yeah, I understand your change? I understand your point. I understand your point. I I, I too don't believe they're ever going to land that big free agent, but that doesn't mean you can't be acting like a big market team and trying to trying to go out there and trying to sell yourself as that. And I think they were doing that in 2010. I, I never had a problem with, with Garpax mixing, missing out on LeBron and Wade in 2010. I was happy the way they operated there. That that made sense. That's how a big market team should be operating. But since then, 
they they've been shriveling up, I guess. They've they've been trying to play this like a small market team. I mean, trading Otto, trading for Otto Porter and getting rid of your cap space and delaying that process and him being your big time free agent uh, signing, so to speak. I mean, that is a small market move. So, I hated that move from that perspective. Well, I'm just telling you right now, I don't think it's going to change. Like everybody points at a Kyle Korver move. I I I don't have any proof of this, but I firmly believe that John Paxson wanted to re-sign Kyle Korver. He was unable to do so because of financial restrictions put on him. I'll never admit it to me. I'm pretty sure that's exactly what happened. And, you know, in fairness, uh, you know, the head coach only played him 20 minutes per game. Kyle Korver, and they, they had to go down the, you know, the poor man's route by signing Bellinelli, which was probably, you know, as good as you could have done to replace him. But I, I still feel like big picture – the same restrictions that were under Garn Packs are going to be under whoever comes in, you know, new. So unless they're going to draft better, that's that that's the big question. Are they going to be able to acquire talent and draft better and be more creative? It's possible. I think it's unlikely. Um, it's yeah, possible. but it's, it's not just about drafting, right? It's about trading. It's about also playing the free agency game and. The last couple years, in particular, they haven't done that aspect well at all. I mean, the end of the Jimmy Butler era came. The fact that they, the the, the fact that they had to deal with Jimmy Butler came in part because of their their bad decisions when it came to trading players. Their free agency has not been good over the last few years. I mean, I know you love Jabari Parker, but that was a terrible decision. It, it had just, they've made terrible decisions. I don't want to even bring up Dwayne Wade's name because I know we're going to go off on that tangent as well. But that was a terrible free agency decision. It it's a, not it hard to be decision. competent, and I'm not asking for the Bulls to go out there and sign their own version of LeBron James. But just don't do dumb stuff like that where you're trading for Cameron Payne. <laughs> you know, you're signing Dwayne Wade to a stupid huge contract with a player option at the end. Just, just don't do stupid stuff like that. And that's why they're ultimately going to get undone because of those dumb last couple of dumb decisions Sato in the last and few Dad years. Young were universally celebrated by all members of Dogville Nation. and They Super were good Nation. moves, but they've also done more bad than good over the last few years. We are, we're all aware of that. So that's well, why we're in the position that we're in right now. It's foolish to debate this because we've done it ad nauseum before. I disagree considerably with your viewpoint. Like... Um, and, and I've highlighted a lot of very solid reasons why. And I know I'm on a, on a loan on an island on Jabari Parker and, and a lot of those other moves. Regardless, some of the other moves that were debated heavily, whether or not to sign, re-sign Zach Levine and match the Sacramento contract, um, whether to draft Wendell Cutter Jr. or Mo Bamba, uh, to whether to, you know, there were other moves that were universally condemned that ended up being absolutely 100% right. Would you concur on that? Of course, I would concur on that, but I'm not. That does that doesn't change anything. I'm not saying they haven't done any good moves at all. That that wasn't my position. They have done good things. I'm just saying they've done more bad than good of late. Hence, why they're in the position that they are. But maybe something that we can agree on, Fred, is that there needs to be a coaching change. But assuming that there are front office changes, but Boylan remains, which maybe maybe that what happens. Who heck? knows? Because Boylan is tight with Reinsdorf too. We know Jim Boylan has been fantastic at kissing ass. And specifically, the right kind of ass at the moment. <laughs> so, what 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 would this whole franchise look like if they make the, the the grand, huge changes to the front office, but Jim Boylan is hanging around next season? What the hell? I, then? Well, you just identified another nightmare that I never even tried to remotely comprehend that <laughs> John Paxson would be fired, but Jim Boylan would be kept on. Like, 
what universe would that happen? I guess in my universe, like to me, the two the two nightmare scenarios will would be they hire Sam Hinkie, uh, you know, the most pathetically overrated GM in history NBA, or not what you just outlined that they could they fire Garpax, but somehow Jim Boylan, their biggest sin is still head coach of this team. Like I I can't even imagine the outrage I would have at that decision. Do you know um, the process lasted for four seasons in the sense that the four, <laughs> that the, the, the Sixers were out of the playoffs for four seasons? No, no the, the, the process is ongoing. They, it, they, no, no, still, it was four it's seasons. It's still going. It's four seasons. <laughs> and if the Bulls that. miss the playoffs this year, which they're going to, and happen to miss the playoffs next season, the process would have lasted as long as this Bulls rebuild. <laughs> and this build, Bulls rebuild was meant to be expedited after playing a, a trading player like Jimmy Butler. So oh, I just want to remind you that. You forgot the Sixers traded Drew Holiday? Did you forget about that? He's not on the same level as Jimmy Butler. (laughs) He's pretty close. Not even close. (laughs) Hey, listen. Don't even ruin my evening by bringing (laughs) up the possibility Sam Hickey's going to take over his team. I do want to point out, though, something that, again, you didn't really comment on my point. How confident are you whoever they they decide to replace this front office with is going to be better? I am confident, and I think different is better because we need a change of direction. So I am confident that it will be better for sure. It'll be a nice mental reprieve, if nothing else. I, I still feel, you know, the trend. Like, Kawhi Leonard left arguably the best, most elite front office, the most uh, elite supporting cast you could have in the league, and he left for the Clippers, who, despite Jerry West and, you know, a great head coach, have zero tradition. It's a joke of a franchise for decades, and he left, and he left. Why? But they've got good infrastructure in there now. No, it's they've got LA. good infrastructure there now. They've got well, their, yeah, their front office is enough. really good. Their front fair office enough. is it's really not good. better than Toronto. It may not be better than Toronto, but it's by sure better than Chicago. He's still, my bigger point, Mark, he's still left. Like that's my point. The elite and elite are going to choose three to five places. It's you know, and the reason why is because when they arrived for the All Star game on Friday, it was a high of six here. I was crying, you know, basically walking a half a mile to my car. And it was 71 in Los Angeles. It was 60 in San Francisco. And it was 85 in Miami. That's why we're at a disadvantage. Well, answer me this then. LA is LA. Competing with LA is always going to be difficult. But why did Durant and why did Kyrie Irving choose Brooklyn very, instead of the Knicks? It's a very easy answer. New York is twice the size of the second biggest market. But they twice also the went size. to a team that has no culture, no history, no are only a few years removed from having terrible, terrible management and ownership themselves. Let me repeat. New York is twice the size of the second biggest market, which is LA. It's three times the size of Chicago. The economic opportunities are unsurpassed anywhere in the world than in New York City. It is considered the mecca of basketball, the Knicks are. They chose the Nets because that was the team that had the space and the wherewithal and a better young team. But how did that really work out? Like, that's all another thing, too, as an aside. Is, is Kyrie Irving, after last season, is he considered the elite elite? Not to me. I've he's, always he's thought he's overrated, he's right that's, in that, that's not the point. He's right he's, in the 10 to 20. He's right in the 10 to 20, and then Kevin Durant came along with him with his torn – Achilles. Who knows how that move's going to work out? I would say so far the results have not been uh, confidence-inducing. But again, uh, this, this is some, something somebody brings up to me all the time uh, that I debate with quite a bit online. That it, well, New York was a first of all, New York didn't sign anybody for a decade, um, neither team, but they did get these two. And in doing so, again, New York is the number one market in the United States. It is it, it dwarfs any other city, including ours. 
are fair, but the Bulls are still a huge market. They're a global brand. They're one of the best and biggest franchises in the NBA. And we're out here repping Otto Porter as the biggest free agent move that the Bulls had made, which is a move they didn't even make in free agency. They had to <laughs> consume their cap space with, with, with his trade <laughs> by trading Jabari bloody Parker. I mean, you're unbelievable. Uh, anyways, you're unbelievable. Gasol all, was a good signing. All this happens whilst the Bulls are being ranked by Forbes as the fourth most valuable team in the NBA. $3.2 billion they, are, they have been valued by Forbes, the fourth, fourth most lucrative team in the league. Yet, like I said, they run like a small market team. I mean, it, it is an absolute joke for it. It's a joke. But anyway, coming back to Boylan, I want to end on this. What did you make about his odd, just weird response about Daniel Gafford and, and the way he sort of was, the way he was dealing with it in the media? And particularly, I want to shout out Casey Johnson because he did a great, he did some great journalism in this, in this, um, interview. And I'm sure most Bulls fans have come across this at this point, but had you not post game against the last game the Bulls played, I can't even remember who they played at this point, but Gafford didn't play any minutes. Felicio Cornet are getting all the center minutes at the moment. Daniel Gafford is available to play. But for whatever reason, Boylan isn't playing him, hence why he's being roasted by media after games asking why Gafford is catching these DNPs. And Boylan was super coy about it. He wasn't being... He was sort of alluding to an injury hanging around. He was sort of alluding to the fact that Boylan, uh, sorry, Gafford needed to sit around and maybe just just pay some more attention, do some valuable introspection learning like Wendell Carter had to do last season. He was sort of making it seem like it was about injuries, but also his, the way he was playing the game as well. But, I mean, what are we meant to make about how Boylan deals with the media and the fact that the Bulls have seemingly told him that he's not allowed to comment about injuries? At least that's what I'm assuming, given the fact that he was being so dumb about this whole situation. Well, it's just what you expect. He's the most, arguably the most in, uh, incompetent, communicator i've ever seen at a head coach head coaching position for the chicago bulls it's it's ridiculous and it goes back it's not just this example mark i mean go back to denzel valentine and thank god for casey johnson who was calling him out then you know denzel valentine why isn't he playing because i said so and i remember that statement because the same week i heard urban meyer who's an actual successful coach he's a winner who's won national championships in the same week on a podcast described how with today's athletes you cannot talk like that you need to sell not just to the media you need to sell to your team and it's clear he's incapable of communicating in an effective fashion or manner uh definitely unworthy of being a head coach of an nba team and i think that's a huge part of the job is being able to coherently explain your decisions away or explain even have a justification for them and he continually has been unable to do it um I thought the more embarrassing moment was the Mokana reason that you eloquently highlighted where he called the timeout when they were down. I can't even remember how much. And I got a guy, and his explanation was basically I got a guy from the G League that I need to do and you know, uh, drop a play for. That reasoning was so disturbingly dumb. Um, it, 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 for him not to realize how much harm it causes with the Bulls' reputation with other teams in the league, you saw Zach Levine's reaction to it. It's just so insane that this guy's been entrusted with the development and the fortunes of this team. And again, you know, it's a fireable offense. He's not a head coach. He'd be a great career assistant coach. There's a lot of admirable things about Jim Boylan. He's a nice guy. I wish him all the best. He's just the most, you know, ill, <laughs> ill-equipped head coach I've ever seen. And uh, I don't, he might be brilliant in some aspects of the game. Who knows? I mean, I'm still kind of shocked the Bulls are 
this good defensively. I think it has a lot more to do with Wendell Carter Jr. and Chris Dunn than him. Yeah. I think the stats kind of prove that. But uh, you better be able to communicate better in this. There's just so many obvious things, Mark. I think you and I could have handled better. Like Denzel Valentine, all those comments, you know, because I said so. Or, or even this one. Like the Bulls aren't telling him he can't. If he's injured, he can't play. You you either say just say, you know what, he's been injured. I, I don't think he's 100% ready yet. He needs a little bit more time to get his wind. Just fudge the truth a little bit, but don't. His response was so incredibly stupid. It made it made him look like an idiot, and it's continually happened all year. Yes, one hundred percent agree. One hundred percent agree. And I, I certainly do believe the Bulls are trying to. I have told him, don't mention injuries. We don't want you blabbing or blabbering about injuries and making things worse and saying something you shouldn't. But still, there's still a way to communicate around it and to to put your point across without coming across looking like a bumbling idiot. But of course, it didn't happen that way. But Fred, you've mentioned a couple of times that hiring Boylan or entrusting him to be the coach of this rebuild at this critical juncture of the rebuild is a fireable offense. So maybe we should close with this, and I want to hear these words from you. I know you've said fireable offense, but can you say fire Garpax? Why Why do you keep on pushing this narrative that I, I need to I just want to hear it. it. I just want to hear it. I, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to just uh, satisfy your urge to hear me say it. <laughs> I'm going to make you wait all year until You've I You've basically say it. said it. It's just, it's just a couple words. Let, let me throw out a couple scenarios here for you, Mark. Let's say the Bulls go on a tear. They get healthy, and they go on a 20-win a Nico-induced tear like they had in 2016-17. Would, would you would – you, or 2017-18 – would and they make the playoffs. Yes. Do you think that's a worst case scenario for you? Because is it possible they would actually bring him back and 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 the front office back? Would you rather have that or would you rather just have it go south and and have complete change? I am I am one hundred percent, and I couldn't be more sure of this or more sure of myself in my opinion. In this, I absolutely would much rather things go completely south than having the Bulls sort of come on a tear and get into the playoffs and then justify the entire season with some fake rally here and everything remain as is and nothing changes. Boiling stays, Gar packs. All right, let me throw out another scenario. Let me throw out another scenario. Would you all right? So you've answered your question there. You don't want to see the Bulls make the playoffs. Let's throw out this one: the Bulls go on a tear, they get into the playoffs, and they make the miracle. And uh, and uh, Giannis, unfortunately, let's hope for not a long term injury, but he has a short term injury that keeps him out of the playoffs. And the Bulls win their first round, losing the second round. Would you then? <laughs> would you rather have them still not make the playoffs? Well, I think this episode of Bulls HQ has now jumped the shark, so it probably just makes sense to to wrap up here, Fred. I think there's no point answering that question, but I think this has been a fruitful first episode for you as part of Bulls HQ. From the top, if people missed it, Fred will be the regular co-host of Bulls HQ, a decision I am now regretting after having listening to that question. <laughs> but, um, but look, I'll, I'll save my answer for maybe next week. But I, I, eventually, Fred, I'm going to get you to mutter those words, fire Garpax. Eventually, I'm going to. It's going to happen. I, I, but I, I, I'm unfortunately, I, I actually believe that I think there are some Bulls fans out there that would rather see Garpax get fired than the Bulls make a miracle and somehow get to the Eastern Conference Finals this year. 
Well, I mean, one, one's, one's somewhat probable, the other one is not realistic at all. Not at all. So, I mean, yeah, it is what it, it is. is but yeah, yeah, I guess anything is possible. But Fred, I appreciate you joining me on this episode of Bulls HQ. I don't even need to say that anymore because you'll be joining me on every oh, yeah. episode of Bulls HQ going forward. This was fun. I'm glad you're part of it now, mate. This, uh, yeah, I we must say this, this. was uh, kind of enjoyable. I, I thought there was a lot of more enjoyable. <laughs> a, lot, a lot more clashing with the I, I, the head of Sea Red Nation, you, the head of Dog Bowl Nation. But I think we found a happy medium at least at some points. But let's. I think deep down, you're praying for a second round victory, uh, first round victory for the Bulls, and a second round uh, loss. No, I can assure you that is definitely not the case. But thank <laughs> okay. you for pointing that out, Fred. But that just about does it for this episode of Bulls HQ. A bit of a change for Bulls HQ going forward, but I think it's going to be a positive one despite these stupid questions at the end. Fred, thank you for coming on. Everyone, if you're not doing so, follow Fred on Twitter at CBE Fred. Follow me on Twitter at MK Who's. Follow the show on Twitter too, Bulls HQ Pod. If you want to send us an email, bullshqpod at gmail.com. That just about does it for this episode of Bulls HQ. We'll be back next week. Thank you for tuning in. Speak then, Bulls fans. Donnie and Marie. Rose Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about Black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, Black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now, they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.